Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over. The show discusses all the masterpieces and the trash the pieces. Emphasising that this week of genre cinema. I'm Gary and I'm Chris. Back. Yeah, back, back again. Another nasty November. Another nasty November. Video um, nasty. Probably our least nastiest so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another slasher film. Another slasher film. Yeah, a lot of the video nasties were slasher films, weren't they? Yes. Um, so we are bringing you, to, and I, I thank you, anyone who voted for this on the poll, because I'm glad you forced us to watch this gem of a film. Okay. <laughs> discussing Unhinged. No, not the Russell Crowe film from last year. We're discussing the Psycho Ripper from 1982. Yes. With characters called Norman and Marion. Uh, yes, yeah. Psycho has a lot to answer for. Directed by Don Gronquist, who directed The Devil's Keep and nothing else. Okay. Budget of $100,000, and we don't know how much it made. Probably not a lot. No, it's unlikely. Um, it's hard to tell, because it would probably have been straight to video in the UK, and I think those low-budget slasher films, they didn't really keep track of box office no. back in the day. No, so this yeah. was post Friday the Thirteenth, which shocks me. Yeah, um, yeah. Last last week, what was the film last week? Remind me. Uh, don't go in the house. Don't go in the house. So that was pre Friday. That was the last of the pre Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Slashes. Um, actually, that one, actually that was given Psycho as well. Well, yeah. If if that was quite late in the Psycho ripoff, this is really late in the whole Psycho ripoff game. Well, what's interesting is in the trivia, um, I have here that this is considered by some to be a loose remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No. <laughs> it no. is genuinely more of a remake of Psycho. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not true. No, I'm sorry. Just because you have a few dinner table scenes um, and you're in the middle of nowhere does not mean you're a Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. No, no, that's not accurate. No. Nearly every single person involved with the film were locals from Portland, Oregon area. Okay, yeah, that's believable. And uh, because there's not a lot of trivia, the final bit of trivia is the film had already received notoriety, notoriety sorry, in the UK after being featured on the BBC News as part of a report concerning the availability of uncertified video films. Even though the film had received a cinema certificate by the BBFC, this led to it being banned and included on a DPP list of 72 video nasties. The film was eventually passed and cut in the UK in 2005. What the fuck did you cut? Yeah. <laughs> what would they have cut? I mean, her grabbing the blade? That... Uh, with the... Uh, Nancy's death? If That's you, like... Yeah. The goriest it gets. Axe in the hand? Yeah. Um, the shower scenes? Well what, well, what shocks me, and why I mentioned that I was shocked that this is post-Friday the 13th, is the fact that they don't try and do inventive, over-the-top gory kills, which is what all slasher films are trying to do at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's a bit dull. Like, the kills are really dull. Yeah. And there ain't that many of us. There's only, what, three? Three, yeah. Three kills. Um... They're not particularly exciting. The film itself isn't particularly exciting. I mean, it was entertaining. It, it was... Yeah. You know, it is campus tits at points, um, particularly the scenes with the mother. Yes, um, Mrs. whatever her name is. 
I mean, I, I, I was, I yeah, I, I was entertained anyway. And, and of course, a big talking point around this uh, in modern day is the twist and how problematic it could be. Yeah, but it's a rip-off. It is a rip-off, so yeah. So many slasher films did the same twist. I feel like they said a little more in this, with it, though, which we'll get into when, uh, yeah. when we get to it. Three young women who crash their car during a rainstorm are taken in by a bizarre family at their large rural estate. I mean, it's just two people. It's not really a family. Yeah, and also, there wasn't a rain... It's the only time when there isn't a fucking rainstorm is when they crash. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, was. it is raining. Was. Yes. That's the only time it That's the only time it rains during the day. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Uh... We get opening credits over a black background. Very boring compared to oh, so uh, boring. our previous Nasty November films. But the score in this film, it deserves to be a much better film. It does. <laughs> so, so good. Um, it must be ripping something off. It's it's very synth heavy. It just sounds like a very 80s slasher film score. Yeah, but it's, it is very good. It's, it sounds uh, almost Italian, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Now, we thought when this film started, we thought there was something wrong with our TV. Because um, it sounds like someone's having an orgasm whilst the radio is talking about an upcoming music festival followed by a taco time advertisement. But the screen is just black. There's, there's nothing yeah. there. You just say, oh, oh, oh. Um, and it turns out <laughs> it's just our lead character, Terry, waking up. Yeah. <laughs> And then she switches the lamp on, and we can see. <laughs> but she has, like, a digital alarm. She does. Which I assumed would have had, like, a light for yeah. the time. No, not So at she all. could actually see where the alarm is. Yeah. Um, but no, apparently not. It's pitch black. I even said to you, I said, oh, something's gone wrong here. Yeah. This lead actress, she... Uh... Struggles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... If there's a fourth death in the film, it's definitely uh, her performance because there's, there's no life in it. Oh, well, come on. You could say that for every single person in the film. I mean, out of everyone. Her and Gloria are tying, I think, actually. The fourth death is the art of acting. <laughs> her her and Gloria, they don't give us anything at all. Like, every line delivery is just fucking lifeless. It's... Nancy's a little better. Slightly. Ever so slightly. Um, there's a scene coming up where I have something to say about that. <laughs> um, I mean, the, we all know who the best performance comes from. It's absolutely the mother. Yeah, but that could have been better. <laughs> uh, we get a nice little gratuitous shower scene. Yeah, straight away. Straight yeah, away. Get We're right into no time. it. Yeah. They know what you want when you're watching films like this. Um, Terry's on the phone. So Terry's our lead. <laughs> She's the one who's uh, just woken up whilst moaning and had a shower. <laughs> Uh, she's getting a lecture on the uh, phone from her mother, isn't she? Yeah, she's just waiting for Nancy and Gloria. And uh, her mum tells her to remember what she told her. She doesn't know how her and her father talked her into letting her do this stuff. Well, I mean, first of all, she's living on her own. Yeah. So you haven't really got a say in it. I know. Really. And <laughs> Terry says, Terry, who looks like she's in her late 20s, early 30s, maybe, says... I'm almost 20 years old. It's like you don't trust me. <laughs> almost 20. Fuck off. <laughs> She's listening to some sort of rock station where none of the music has any lyrics. No. Um, then the girls pull up outside. Well, before that, Terry's mum warns her to watch out for Nancy. She's a bad influence because she's older. Okay. 
She's certainly not. But, yeah, <laughs> but then Terry says, no, she's not older. And her mum's like, you know what I mean. <laughs> so when she, when she says older, I think she means more mature or, well, less, well, I don't know. No, it makes no sense. More, um... She's been around a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Making her older. But anyway, they pull up. They're listening to exactly the same rock station. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. And you can hear, it's kind of weird, because obviously um, Terry's leaving her house, so she'll yeah. switch the radio off. But as she's leaving, you can still hear the music. <laughs> and then she gets in the car, and you can still hear the music. <laughs> this, like... Acoustic rock or whatever the fuck it is. Maybe it's who they're going to see at this music festival in rural Washington. Probably, probably. So the sip score gets better and better. Like, yeah, with this yeah, scene. the rock score's not great. But it's funny. It's funny that <laughs> it's a bit of this sip score, some really nice overhead shots of them driving, and then it's a quick shot of them talking shit, and then it's a really nice overhead shot oh of the score, time. and then it's them talking shit, and then it's a nice overhead shot of the score. Yeah. So it just keeps doing it for about 10 minutes I'll straight. I've it down. I've had to um, <laughs> bullet point it. So, overhead, overhead driving shots with ominous music. <laughs> Gossip about Brandon Marshall oh, getting knocked up. Yeah, she got knocked up. They smoke a bit of pot. <laughs> then we get a low angle shot of the car driving. <laughs> then more overhead shots with ominous music. We get a blowjob joke, <laughs> then we get another overhead shot with ominous music, and then we get news broadcast about two missing girls, <laughs> and then it starts to rain. Well, this is this this joke is in place to show us that Nancy is older, not older in age. You know what I mean, and uh, <laughs> and Terry's very innocent. So Nancy says, "Guy says to the girl, if you were a guy." You wouldn't be talking me into doing something like this. And the girl said to the guy, if you were me, you'd be talking with your mouth full. And Nancy's like, I don't get it. No, I don't get it either. That's oh, not now the I joke. do. No, that's not the joke. <laughs> Gary, that's not the joke. It is, that's what she said. No, if you're a gentleman, you wouldn't talk me into doing something like this. And he says, if you're a lady, you wouldn't talk with your mouth full. Oh, I'm glad, like... It's, it's going to be one of the two. I don't know who's heard it right. No, I've heard it. Well, mine oh, okay. makes more sense. She's got a mouthful. She's got a cock in her mouth. Yeah, I know. But I thought she was being proud about it. No. The girl no. and the joke. No. No? Okay. No. I'm sorry. I don't know what you heard. This is why we usually have subtitles on. But sometimes copies of films... Um, you, you barely even get a clear picture, let alone a fucking subtitle. <laughs> So it's difficult. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Some, some films are harder to get hold of than others in a, a, a clear version. We get the news report and then a sudden storm causes Nancy to accidentally crash the car, rendering all three unconscious. Yeah, she just kind of goes into a ditch, don't she, really? Yeah. You haven't got the stunt budget. Um, Terry wakes up at the home of Marion. Now, this is where I got confused. So I'm just going to give it to you the way I perceived it whilst watching the film. Turns out it's incorrect, but you'll see things from my perspective. So Terry, <laughs> Terry wakes up at the home of Marion and Norman Penrose, mm -hmm. who have no phone. Their brother and sister who live with their mother. This is what I gathered from the conversation they had. Marion turns to Norman and says, oh, mother is wherever she was. Mother's in her room. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, 
spoiler alert, it turns out that Norman is not related to them. No. We see... We don't see Norman for, like, another hour. <laughs> and he is just, like, the handyman, the gardener. He is the groundskeeper. Slash red herring. He's the groundskeeper, and his moustache is bigger than his fucking mouth. Oh, it's huge. <laughs> but I thought they were brother and sister. So throughout the whole film, I was like, well, where's Norman? Well, what's just, happening with Norman? I mean, they just needed an excuse to have a character and they could call Norman. Call Norman, and, and it's a red herring as well, isn't it, of course? If you're going to rip off Psycho, you might as well call your red herring Norman. Um, the acting is horrendous <laughs> in this scene. It's like they're reading from an auto-cue, <laughs> but with, like, really awkward gaps. Like, like the... Auto-cue keeps stalling and they're, like, staring at each other. You know in Drive, when people just stare at each other? <laughs> imagine that, but not as artistic. I, what I don't get is, how how is Marion and her mother affording to keep this large mansion going in the middle of nowhere? Like, neither of them fucking do anything. And how do they afford Norman, the groundskeeper? It's inherited wealth, isn't it, Gary? Is it? Oh, yeah. Is that said? Oh, it's assumed. Well, there we go. It's assumed. It's inherited wealth. I mean, yeah, neither of them are working. But um, to inherit a house like that, they probably inherited a lump sum with it as well. Norman tells Terry how their little friend, uh, Gloria, is banged up and the only one with serious injuries. And he tells her this twice, just in case she didn't hear it the first time. Um, and he also tells her all of the cons of leaving their house, which convinces her to stay. Now, that's what I thought as well, that he was some relative of theirs. Because, yeah. I mean, he is doing his best to convince her not to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I, I genuinely thought they were brother and sister. Yeah. They, uh, they give Terry and Nancy some awful fucking outfits to wear. <laughs> and they're invited... I thought this was their outfits. That they were going to wear to the rock concert. I feel like it is later on, but these first ones, why the fuck would they wear those? Yeah, but at dinner time, they've always got a full face of makeup as well. So they must have <laughs> grabbed their bags from the car. Yeah. Because they've always got a full face of makeup on. They, they all... I'm assuming the Penroses don't have no. makeup like that. I mean, they're, they're literally dressed like old mates. I, I yeah, don't... which is weird. So I assumed that the outfits were given to him by... Because she's dressed like Debbie Harry for, you know, <laughs> dinner later on. Um, they're invited to dinner with Marion and her elderly wheelchair-bound mother. Now, the mother is a fucking icon um, because she gives us everything we need. If it wasn't for her, this film would have been really boring. Yes. Yes. I'm going to say it now. I enjoyed the character of Mrs. Penrose, but... Could you imagine if the role was played by a classic Hollywood actress? Oh, I know. The, the woman who plays her, she was only in this film and one other film. Yeah, like she's probably one of the locals. Later. She was probably one of the locals. But could you imagine if Betty Davis... Oh, I know. Uh, Olivia de Havilland played her... You're not going to get that with a $100,000 budget. You're not going to get that with a $100,000 But could you imagine? Oh, no, it would have been I mean, this... The, I mean... You, you would have put this into high exploitation if that mm-hmm. was the case. It would have been better, actually. If that was the twist, if uh, old Mrs. Penrose was doing it all. 
Oh, yeah. She was pretending to be old and frail. That would have been great. Yeah, it would have been a, a little less problematic. We love a, bigger, a bit of exploitation in this podcast. We get literally at least one minute of them all eating and drinking in silence um, before Marion's mother. This ain't a long film. No, it's, it's an hour and 19 minutes. hour and 19 minutes. But every drink that's ever poured, we have to have get a fucking close-up shot of... <laughs> As it's being poured, it's like, okay, mate, we get it. We're having wine with dinner. And then, and then Marin's mother starts, in a bizarre series of events, she starts reaching for something and everyone starts looking at her like she's a fucking weirdo. Like, I don't know what she's doing. I've got awkwardly silent dinner until Mrs. Penrose acts like she may need an immediate shit, but changes her mind. She's like, oh, oh, oh. It's and I reaches forward like she's got, you know, their stomach grumble. We all know them. That, that stomach bubble. And then she's like, oh. It's <laughs> like, she's fine. She's either let out a fucking sign up a bit deadly. Or she's like, I thought it was a shit. No, I'm all right now. But it's it's like she's reaching for salt and pepper. I don't know what she's doing. Like, she does that in the second one. Because she does it again. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, this exact scene happens again. The exact scene happens again. <laughs> but you can actually see what she's reaching for that time. It is the salt and pepper set. But no one asks her if she's okay. No, no one was like, you're all right. Do you need to be wheeled to the, to the ladies? <laughs> Throughout dinner, um, Marion's mother rants and raves, espousing her misandrous views and recounts how her husband left her for another woman. And she reads Marion to filth <laughs> for not respecting her mother and apparently being a slut. Yeah, she, um, she, she accuses Marion of uh, bringing men into the home and she's like, deny it, you slut! Chance would be a fine thing. She she'd seen better days, poor Marion. She's um she look, definitely looks like the old maid, don't she? Oh, she definitely does. Put her down daughter. The um the mother's asked if she if she thinks about her ex husband. She's like, I don't think about that man or any other man. They're not worth my thoughts. Yeah. And then Marion leaves to go to the kitchen for something, and she's like, Marion, Marion, do you have another one of your men in there? Imagine if Joan Crawford played this role. That would have been amazing. No, it'd have to be Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford. <laughs> they should have made that into a series of films. It should be like starring Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford. Um, yeah, no, she, she fucking hates men. She, she's had it with men, hasn't she? She's had it. She's obviously her ex-husband's done her wrong and she's Miss Havisham'd it. Yeah. Um... She blames him for everything that went wrong. I'm not sure exactly what went wrong. Because um, she's well, a, a nonce. Yeah, but she's in a... Spoiler alert. <laughs> but she's in a fancy house. It's true. It's true. And she ain't having to fucking work the coal mines or anything, is she? She's yeah, still it's true. living in luxury. She's, um, you know, she's got a groundskeeper and everything like that. Oh, yeah, she has no problem with him. She probably got more <laughs> in the bank than, you know, you or I. It's true. I mean, she has no problem with Norman. Well, he's... Yeah, but they're never in a scene together, are That's they? That's true. He's just outside chopping wood and randomly in Terry's bedroom. Um, <laughs> That's never really discussed because it is made very clear. No men allowed in the house. <laughs> well, what was he doing there? Later, whilst the women relax and uh, play dominoes in the parlour with Mother watching them and Marion playing piano, a mysterious man looks menacingly into the window at them. <laughs> yeah... What um, the f- 
fuck are they doing? This is so weird. It's there's so many of these scenes where no one talks to each other. <laughs> And Marion's playing very ominous music on the piano because she knows she's in a horror film. Terry and Nancy are playing dominoes on the floor. Like, why? And there's a weird figure in the dark outside, breathing heavily because Halloween was a few years before. Um, So it definitely must be the killer. The scene goes from inside to outside repeatedly, (laughs) but doesn't actually lead anywhere. So... We're point of viewing because yeah. Halloween was a few years <laughs> previous and the figure is breathing heavily and getting closer and closer to the house. And it's like the hokey fucking cokey because we're in, out, in, out. And then by the time he gets to the window, nothing happens and it cuts. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck was the point <laughs> of that scene being so fucking like, you know, he should have thrown a fucking dead cat through the window or something. I just can't believe it. It, takes, it led nowhere. And it takes longer than this um, for them to decide that they want to get out of there. Like, hang on, you are literally playing dominoes on the floor whilst an old woman is watching you. Do you not think something <laughs> is wrong here? Like, something is clearly not right. No, it's that weird piano music she's playing. <laughs> like, mate, have you got no wham or anything? Come on. <laughs> Terry and Nancy have a gossip about Mother talking like a weirdo and being a rich bitch. Um, yeah, they get rather catty by the end, don't they? they? <laughs> Nancy's like, God, can you believe that? I've seen people with aversions before, but Jesus. <laughs> and then she talks about when Mrs. Penrose asked her if she's related to a rich family. And it's like, Jeepers no, Mrs. Penrose, but I did once hit the shack of a sheet metal worker. <laughs> Terry gets out of bed to close the window and steps on a tooth. <laughs> yeah, neither of them are bothered. Like, you get a slight ill from Nancy, but neither of them give a shit. Oh, my God. The struggle to show any sort of emotion <laughs> was real. She, like, she like holding her foot and doing, like, that hop thing. Like, oh, my foot. But her face <laughs> is somewhere else. She, she, I don't know. Maybe there was, like, a large weed budget for the making of this film. Because everyone is... Don't. Well, she's like, let's face it, that out of nowhere, let's face it, that mother and daughter combination is straight out of the Twilight Zone. If I'd had to listen to their conversations anymore, I'd go mad. Like, well, what are you talking about? I just came from the. You just found a fucking tooth. I know. And their conversations <laughs> are any bit of excitement. You're like, otherwise, everyone's just sat there you silently s- well, staring at each other. You say that. Well, oh no, the mother, yeah, no, absolutely, that is. Yeah, um, I was exactly. going to say, the Terry and Nancy conversation isn't exciting because she then starts talking about her, she's had deja vu, explains herself, and definitely does not describe deja vu. No. <laughs> so Terry thinks she has deja vu because she felt like someone was watching her earlier. <laughs> and that's not deja vu. That's paranoia. <laughs> uh, Terry wakes in the middle of the night and peers out the window. Uh, but I'm not sure what she's looking at because it's far too fucking dark. Yeah, so... And I have no idea what she was looking out the window, but it's no, pitch black. I assume it's up the shed. Um, this, first, she's woken to the sound of banging. So she goes back to sleep, and she's, wake, she's woken up to another sound of banging, um, but a man banging himself. Uh, it, it, the, she's woken up by the heaviest breathing I've ever heard. The guy is clearly having a wank, and it sounds fucking gross. But it's... So we get a point-of-view shot 
which we assume to be the guy breathing heavily because mm. we can hear the heavy breathing. It's just heavy breathing at this point. Very Michael Myers of him. I, I know I keep saying that, but I don't think there's anything original in this film. Um, but he seems to be out in the middle of the field, staring at the house. We're point of viewing, yeah? Yeah. But it wa- it's so loud, it wakes her up. <laughs> it's like, mate, he's like... It's like half a mile away, in the middle of a fucking field. How could she hear that? His breathing, literally, it must be on speakers, because no matter where you go in this film, when he's breathing, you can fucking hear oh, it. Oh, bitch, there's a fucking tannoy system in that house of him breathing. She Terry wakes Nancy up, and Nancy's like, what's the deal? Yeah. <laughs> Terry tells her about what happened, and how there's a man watching her, and she says, I heard breathing, and not just regular breathing either. It's like he was doing himself. Doing himself. <laughs> Didn't know he could bend that way. I mean, it, it definitely sounded like he was doing himself. And it's crazy that one of the biggest threats in this film is a guy who just can't stop wanking. Seemingly, yeah. This is absolutely Vince Vaughn's inspiration for the Psycho remake. Oh, that is creepy, though. Oh, it is. I mean, that is creepy, but... I mean... Yeah. She thinks a lot of herself, Terry, though. I mean, there's nothing saying it's over her, considering you can hear his breathing <laughs> everywhere in the fucking house. Like, even outside, no matter where you go, you can hear his breathing. It's just a loud breather. It's tr- that is true, actually. Oh, well, you know what to say about deja vu, according to Happy Death Day. No. Means that someone's masturbating over you, so... Oh, So maybe she did have deja vu. Oh, my God. Is that what they're going for? Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, on that foul note... Terry um, thinks they should leave, go to the junction and call for help, because this place has given her the willies. Yeah. (laughs) Choice of words. Literally. Um, So, yeah, now they decide that they were going to go for help. Um, They Do they flip a coin? Is this where they They flip flip a a coin? coin. They flip a coin to see who is the one who's going to walk the distance um, to the village, and it's, yeah, our final girl... Terry is the one left behind, and uh, Nancy is going to the village. I'm struggling to remember the names. I do apologise. In well, in the morning, Terry and Nancy take a shower together, um, whilst the guy, the wanking guy, um, spies on them for a peephole and starts doing himself again. Well, apparently, I'm not sure though because it, they can't hear it. I, I they can hear it last night. It woke them up. But they're too busy gossiping in the shower and giving us gratuitous nudity to hear it now. This is so unnecessary. Why did it need to shower together? Like, this just did not need to exist. No. Well, it did because the filmmaker knows his audience. Um, Yeah, the the shower must be so loud and their gossiping must be so loud because you can't hear a thing. Yeah. So Nancy goes off to the village... Um, well, they tell Marion that Nancy's going off to the village. She's like, oh, okay, that's what you need to do. Yeah. Um, Marion asks Terry to collect some logs for the fire. Uh, whilst outside, Terry goes to inspect an old <laughs> outhouse or shed. Uh, Marion... <laughs> Marion comes rushing out. Terry! Shouting, Terry... <laughs> Like, she's Usain Bolt. <laughs> this is some of the worst fucking running I've ever seen it's on screen. It's great. Well, <laughs> yeah, it is. And the speed of Usain Bolt, but not the technique. 
um, to tell her to stay away from the outhouse. Um, because... <laughs> timber isn't stable. Timber isn't stable. This is bullshit. Why is she going to stay away from there now when no one's been killed yet? Spoiler alert, that's where the bodies are hid later on. But No, 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 no. People have been killed. Have they? Oh, the, the two right, girls. The yeah, that's true. That's true. The disappearances, Gary. Um... Nancy has a stroll through the woods whilst the menacing synth score plays and she looks around suspiciously. She absolutely like she's knows in a she's in a horror film. film. <laughs> Even though it's daytime, she absolutely knows she's in a horror film. Um, yeah, she... The killer jumps out from nowhere <laughs> with a scythe. In a, he's in a cloak. Cloaked figure. And, yeah, kills her with the scythe. Yeah, slashes her But she, like, death. holds on to it for a long time. She does. Um, Bless her, she tries. Yeah, so, I mean, I thought at first it was just all going to be off screen, so... Because you just see some splashes of blood and whatever. But then when she grabbed hold of it, I was like, okay, that's that's pretty... Uh, gra- the only graphic film we're going to get in this film. Yeah, Poor so Nancy. this is the image that she used in all the advertising, isn't it? Mm. Um, the cloaked figure with the scythe. Um, Which gets me mixed up with that other film with um, the the lesbian horror film that I think is set in New Year's The Eve. Redeemer. The Redeemer, the yeah. Redeem- the Redeemer's quite good, actually. It is. It, it reminded me of that. that sort it's of not injury. a lesbian film. It happened to have one lesbian character. Oh, I mean, automatically. <laughs> That's what makes it memorable. Film. I think we did watch it for Pride Month, actually, <laughs> didn't we? Um, Marion explains to Terry that her mother isn't quite right. <laughs> Really? Well, duh. <laughs> and when she was very young, there was a horrible incident involving her father, a very undisciplined man, and a young girl, one of the Lord's girls, who was eight or nine, whilst he was out exploring the jungles with his friends. Uh, her father was put in an institution, and that's why her mother is obsessed with hating men. Um, I mean, they, they couldn't think of anything else? Red, well, we needed another red herring, didn't we? Hmm. Um, but yeah, Marion spills the tea on her father being a nonce, and that's why they, they, they see they lost everything. I know, yeah. It's like, you're still in a nicer house you're in a than mansion I've for ever sake. lived in. You're in a mansion, <laughs> for fuck's sake. You ain't, you ain't having to work for a living. Yeah, your mum's a twat. But, you know, she'll be dead soon, and then it'll all be yours. What, what makes me laugh about this scene is how, you know... Marion explains that clearly her her father is not right and her mother's not right by all means. Um, you know, the, the, there is a lot of danger surrounding her in that house. You know, her, her dad, it's a horror film. Her dad can escape from a mental institution and kill everyone, you know. Um, but then Terry's like, oh, I heard a man last night. And straight away Marion's like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking serious? There's no fucking men around here. What the fuck are you talking about? She's like fuming with her. She's like, no, there's no one here. No one here. Forget all this nonsense and have a cup of tea. Well, that's the thing. Like, well, men aren't allowed in the house. <laughs> so well, there could well be someone what there. was normal there, then? <laughs> but yeah, she's told to forget all this nonsense and have a cup of tea. Now, you may be thinking, I swear there was three girls in that car. <laughs> um, you'd be right. Uh, Terry finally goes to check on Gloria... Which seemingly just involves her lying on the bed and staring at her for literally. You missed it. I missed it. It was a blink and you miss it thing. It go well went on for like three seconds. It's just her lying at the end of the bed, staring at Gloria, and then we cut away. It's That's dinner time. It again. is fucking bizarre. They are literally told as soon as they get there, she's in a really bad way. She's been really banged up. You know, mm-hmm. she is 
she is a state right now, you know, there's blood and guts everywhere. And, and they're like, oh, okay, we'll just forget about her for an hour. Yeah. And they literally don't discuss her at all. They couldn't give a shit. The actress paid by the minute. Because <laughs> you got fucking, what's his name? Norman. I know. <laughs> He's pissed off. Um, <laughs> mother is, uh, is waiting for a dinner. She's fucking Marianne, you, man. I am ready to come to dinner. Did you hear me? I am ready now. Um, she's off screen and, oh my God, come on guys. If you're going to rip off Psycho, at least be a little subtle of it. But I know, yeah. her voice sounds like Mrs. It's Bates. Exactly. It is like, come on. Come on guys. She, at the, um, dinner table, <laughs> she says, we seem to be lighter in numbers. Where's your friend? Nancy? You mean Nancy? Of course she fucking means Nancy. <laughs> it's you've been a day. Oh, do you mean Nancy? Yeah, you stupid bitch. Of course she means Nancy. Who else? Not Gloria. Well, not Gloria. No one fucking remembered she existed. Yeah. This, this, this is literally the exact same dinner scene as the exactly, night before. Exactly, so just um, one less person. So Mrs. Penrose suspects Code Brown again <laughs> at the dinner table. Well, before that, she gives Marion the filthiest look. She does. And it's like, look. okay, she is ready to go off. She is, the library is open. But it's just moments like this where literally, I mean, Betty Davis would have ate this role <laughs> up. That look she gives, I just, you know, you... We wouldn't be sat here wondering what she was doing at the dinner table. <laughs> I think a better actress would have been able to convey what was going on. <laughs> we'd be sat here thinking Betty Davis might have co-brown at dinner table, <laughs> who knows? The chicken's gone right through her, bless her. Well, straight after that scene, after that little emergency, um, she asked Terry about her childhood, and Terry's like, I'm an only child. I think my parents saw me and didn't want any kids after me. And and I feel like that was meant to be a joke, but because she portrays no emotion yeah. whatsoever, it's hard to tell. Yeah. So I think we're actually being serious. Mrs. Penrose, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but she compares having children to having a terminal illness. She does. She says, she tells how much of a burden it is being a parent. <laughs> uh, then she reads Marion again for being a suspected slur. Um, yeah, and Marion's like, uh, she starts trying to comfort Terry about her parents. And I was like, well, what would you know what Terry's parents think? <laughs> they just have a shouting match, uh, which involves more, more slut shaming. Yes. And Mother telling Marion that she has absolutely no authority in that house. So, what happens after dinner? Uh, Marion plays piano, the piano time again. Marion plays the piano yet again, whilst Mother watches Terry this time posing like a model on the rug. She's just there. Um, whilst the man is watching, she's literally just posing for her. Like there's no dominoes or anything. Yeah, she don't have to play the gloomiest music on that <laughs> piano. Uh, heavy breather watches again from the window. Yeah. Um, it's another rainy night. She's alone in her bedroom again, Terry, and she hears the breathing. And this time, she goes to investigate. And this is when you notice his breathing is the exact same throughout the whole... Same it volume is. throughout the entire yeah. house. Whenever, whatever room she goes in, wherever she is, it's exactly the same volume. She's, which makes me question how um, the mother doesn't hear this. Like, you know, she hates men so much and oh, men exactly, being in the house. Yeah. But there's never any mention of her hearing this. No. She searches the attic uh, where she finds black and white pictures of two children... And an old tool bout with a dusty handgun and a machete. Um, and because 
she's a fucking dumb bitch. She's like, okay, I'll just leave this here. And goes back downstairs. It's like, hang on a minute. Yeah. You, sh- you know, someone can murder you with this. You know someone's watching you. You probably should take them with you. Yeah. <laughs> she goes back downstairs and sees the man staring at her through the window. Just pops his head through. Oh, um, see, see when when she's upstairs with this rocking chair, she knocks a box over, and finds an old photo of two kids. Yeah. Now this should be the moment where we think, oh, but Marion's an only child. Uh-huh. What's with the two kids? But the problem is, I still think fucking Norman's her brother. Yeah. So that was Marion and Norman. Okay. Yeah, she um. She runs screaming through the house after she sees the man poking his head through the window. <laughs> he just pokes her through the window. Like, he didn't say anything, but... Marion tries um, dismissing her again. And she's like, Marion, don't give me that crap. You're the only one in this house since I have any sense now. What is going on? I was like, okay, congratulations, Terry. That's the most life you've shown in your exactly. entire performance. I just, yeah. Made Oscar, me jump. Oscar's all around. Marion calms her down and reveals to her that the man is Carl, her younger brother. She insists that he's harmless, just not... Re- I've got, sorry, I've got it written down here. Then who the fuck was Norman? <laughs> <laughs> I am confusion at this point. <laughs> she insists that he's harmless, just not right mentally. Apparently he has the mentality of a five-year-old child. Uh, and she takes care of him whilst he lives outside because mother won't let him inside. Terry's like, okay, and just goes back to bed. Well, Terry's like, oh, does he live outside in all weathers? What? How does he protect himself? <laughs> well, there's an outhouse in there. Why does he not it's live true. in the outhouse? <laughs> I mean, by the end, you realise why he doesn't live in the outhouse. But, like, why is he forced to live out in the fucking woods? Why is he not killed his mother? That's what I want to know. Like, this is the bitch that's keeping you outside and, like, ruining your life and everything. Just murder her. Yeah, but the problem is he hasn't developed, so he probably thinks that's just what it happens. Why hasn't Marion do, done it? Like, we all know by the end of the film what Marion's been up to, so why hasn't Marion killed her mother? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... It's, yeah, it's story time of Marion yet again. Another boring story. Uh, questionable uh, mental health representation, would you say? Um, yes, to a, yeah, to a certain degree. Um, very 1982. Uh, the next day, Terry goes outside to talk to Norman. I mean, He's back. But eventually, I mean, Carl isn't really a character. What no. we think has been Carl hasn't been Carl. True. True. So it is iffy, but the idea is that Carl's been mistreated. Uh huh. So it touches on it, but doesn't deal with it. Of course. I mean, you know. I, I say that every single. Like, can we watch a film that mentions it and deals with it soon? The, can for, we? Yeah. For the podcast, I don't think so. No, I don't. Um, I'm not sure if there is one. <laughs> the next day, Terry just goes. Just anything, just any sort of subject, actually deals with the subject fully. That'd be really nice, thank you. Terry has a chat with Norman. Um, they have a gossip about Marion and her mother. And Terry asks if he has seen Nancy. Norman reveals that he never spoke with her and instead tells her a confusing story about two teenage girls who recently disappeared in the woods. Yeah, which he could have told at the start, really. I think that would have helped. Like, literally, Norman, you told her to stay there. You convinced her to stay there, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Which is really confusing because Norman says that he works for the Penrose. Yeah. Uh, and other people in the area. 
So he must have his own equipment. So he must drive. Yeah. So I understand they don't have a telephone. Uh-huh. But surely Norman could have said, oh, I'll drive, Terry, you know, I'll drive you to the village and you can make the phone call. You've had an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, spoiler alert, Norman has nothing to do with the killings. <laughs> he actually could have been way more helpful than he was. Uh, at nightfall... Yeah, that's the last we see of Norman, by the way. That is the last we gone. see of Norman, yeah. At nightfall, Gloria regains her consciousness and Terry tells her that she feels the two need to leave as soon as possible. It's shocking that she's regained the consciousness because the performance doesn't tell us that. She's still half asleep. <laughs> still three quarters asleep. Um... I actually thought Gloria looked younger when she woke up. Uh, what what has yeah. been asleep for that long done to you? Because you don't fucking remember what she looked like <laughs> in the beginning. I have no idea what she looked like. Um, also, I'm really confused by them not being more worried about um, Nancy. Nancy. <laughs> because it's three or four miles. Oh, it's three or four miles. Okay, three or four miles would take a while to walk. But... It's been almost two days. <laughs> Surely when she got to the village, she would, you know, ask someone, can yeah. you please help us? Can you drive me back to the house? Uh-huh. Um, they're really not worried. No, they couldn't give a shit. They're really not that worried. <laughs> they seem to think that it's like walking to a different state. <laughs> I mean, she didn't take a bag with her. She didn't take any food or any supplies. Even you know, no one worries about anyone in this fucking film. No, no, it's true. After Terry leaves the room, an unseen figure attacks a sleeping Gloria, <gasps> plunging an axe through her head. Poor Gloria, we barely knew thee. I know, I mean, her death scene made her look more alive than her actual, you know, living <laughs> performance. <laughs> yeah, her hand moving uh, yeah. was the, more, the most life that she gave. Later in the evening, Terry finds Gloria's room empty and asks Marion where she is. <laughs> the soundtrack lets us know there's a bit of mystery in this scene because it goes doo doo as soon as it shows you her bed empty. Marion suggests she may be outside getting some air and Terry goes out to investigate and the thunder and lightning begins. Yes. So, this film, apart from the initial crash, it's completely dry during the day. <laughs> But the moment that sun sets, it's thunder and lightning <laughs> and stormy weather. It's heavy rain that seems to clear when the sun comes up. To be fair, that's not too different to living up north. <laughs> <laughs> but it's absolutely ridiculous. This vampire rain in this film is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It's, like, it's hard enough to see at night, you know, it, the lighting's terrible. And then you've got the fucking rain effect over the top. It's like, I've got no fucking clue what's going on. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I don't know if you thought this as well, but as soon as I saw Marion setting up dinner, I was like, oh, no, here we go again. Another dinner scene. The mother's going to lean forward and then absolutely read her to filth. And I, I mean, you know what? I'd have rather seen that than the boring scene of Terry and Gloria talking. But Yeah. Um, but as she steps outside, Terry is attacked and chased by Carl. She hides in a shed where she discovers the dead bodies of her friends, along with several other dismembered corpses. Yeah, very fake-looking body parts. <laughs> yes, mandatory slasher finding the body scene. Yes, Terry's chased into the house by Carl, 
Um, she remembers where she found the gun <laughs> earlier on, and she runs to it and shoots him in the head. Yeah. Like, simple, done. Kills Lovely. him straight away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> was Carl necessary? <laughs> I think Carl was necessary. It's a red herring, isn't it? You've got to have red herrings in these films. So you've got Carl, who's a red herring based on society's... His addiction to masturbating. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> no, that's not Carl. Was it not? That was Marion. Oh, okay. So if if we... Okay, so we'll, we'll get to that. So Marion is upset, obviously, because her brother's just been shot in the head, <laughs> and suggests that he was just playing with her because he, was, he had the mentality of a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hide-and-seek or chase or, or whatever. He thought he'd just found a new friend. Terry tells um, Terry tells her to check the outhouse if, he thought he, if she thought he was just playing. A male voice then tells her that that had nothing to do with Carl. The male voice is revealed to be Marion. Yes. Terry, after all this time of knowing... Marion. Terry now sees Marion's chest hair. <laughs> did you get... Did you yeah. see that fucking close-up of her chest hair? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> sure, sure, surely Marion's been shaving her face. She's been up close with Marion multiple you'd, times. You'd think that she'd cha- shave the chest as well if she's having to shave the face. Um, but Marion's chest hair and then she tries to escape but Marion repeatedly hits her with a machete whilst complaining about having to look after everyone, including Carl, whilst keeping her secret. Mrs. Penrose then calls up to Marion, asking if she has another one of her men again. Marion calls down in her feminine voice, and the film ends. Yeah, so, I mean, she says um, she's actually Mrs. Penrose's second son, and Carl's younger biological brother. Yes. Um, And... She she also raves about the pressures of gender dysphoria um, and obviously her obligations to care for a brother and mother. Um, yeah. I mean, what can be said about that? It's, yeah. When I say that this film has no original thoughts, it doesn't. So how I saw this is that Carl was the one watching through the window, mm. but... It was Marion who was doing the... Um, doing himself. Doing himself uh, noises. And the one watching them in the shower. Yeah. Because in the original Psycho, it's the idea is that Mrs. Bates came out mm-hmm. and Norman committed murders because he was sexually aroused by Marion Crane. Yeah. And so in this film, he killed Marion, killed, this is mm-hmm. going to be confusing now because of the same names, but Marion in Unhinged committed murder, you know, and there were girls beforehand every time that he was sexually attracted to one of them. Yeah. He, I believe, no, I don't know, this is, this is a cheapo slasher film on the video Natty's list. So I might be delving a little too deep into it. But what I perceived was that Marion, in order to continue living in the house and looking after Carl, had to pretend 
to be a woman. Yeah. Um, so that Mrs. Penrose wouldn't chuck him out. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is where it gets iffy, because this is where the film suggests that his gender dysmorphia from this is what leads him to commit murder. Mm. And that's the... Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the the raven about... Ranting and Raven about, you know, um, about the gender dysmorphia and such, that you know, could almost raise an interesting point. Um, but it's like you said, it's when it delves into this being an excuse for the killings that it, it becomes a problem. Yeah. That's what I got. I... I essentially just think this film completely rips off Psycho. Yeah, I don't... I, I sadly don't think there was much thought put into it. No. Um, and it was just used as a cheap plot point, which yeah. was done by multiple films. Oh, my God. Around that yes. time. Yeah, loads. Loads of films had this twist of, um, you know, the someone we suspected of being one gender is was actually born another gender, yeah. and that's led them to the killing. Um, we've discussed it on the podcast with Sleepaway Camp. Well, this isn't too different to Sleepaway Camp in the way that uh, Angela was forced yeah. to to dress like that and to be a girl. Yeah, and so um, also uh, Four Flies on Grey Velvet yeah. had the same twist in a giallo context. Yeah, so it, it's very iffy. Um, it you, is. It never... hasn't aged well. The film itself hasn't aged well. It's not a very good film, if I'm being honest. Um, it's got camp elements. Um, again, a bit like last week, if you're a completionist for Video Nasties, then I would say this should be one you should watch. I'd recommend for, for people who listen to this podcast and the sort of films we discuss on here, if you enjoy the sort of films, I'd recommend this more than Don't Go In House. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's higher camp value uh, to be found here. What do you think about uh, Terry being killed? It, when we're, we're actually... The Dabby know, 10. In 1982, you, you fall into Final Girl films. Well, point. Do you know what else it was giving me? Last House on the Left. Last House on the... Really? Well, Last House on the Left, the two girls are on their way to a concert I and by you. accident end up in a situation... Out of their control. Mm -hmm. um, so it was definitely giving me Last House on the left. And, you know, that had a downbeat ending, really. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't completely against hope to have everyone killed. But it's, it's, it is a bit of a weird one, isn't it? You kind of do expect a girl to survive yeah. in these sort of films. I can't think of another one. Uh, Madman? I suppose, yeah. Yeah, Madman. They're all killed in the end. Apart from that one guy that didn't deserve to live. What's that? Who was that? The guy that flags down the car at the end. Oh. The annoying guy. Oh. <laughs> um, but yes, so that's unhinged. I, I don't know, it's entertaining. Um, it was fine. Repetitive, but entertaining. It's, it, it, for me, it just wasn't original enough. I mean, we discussed a film last week that was all around a relationship with a mother leading to murder. It's been done time and time and time again. And I just didn't think this film brought anything original no. to it. No, it didn't. Um, there, there's some camp elements, and I hope we've managed to make an exciting 
podcast episode out of it. It's, I do get nervous when a film's a bit boring that I'm like, oh God, people are going to switch the podcast episode up. I'm like, oh, it's boring. There's a lot to say about it. The <laughs> nastiest moment um, is automatically Nancy's death. I mean, it's the one with the most to it, really. Um, yeah, I suppose. Like, yeah. Grabbing... It's the one where you can actually see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, when she grabs the scythe, that's does some nasty imagery. Um, but again, this is one of those where it's like, okay, why the fuck was this a video nasty? Yeah. Like, you've definitely just watched that one scene and then immediately said, oh, it was a video nasty. Yeah. You've definitely not watched the whole film. No, I, I completely agree. It, there was much... I mean, what year was this? 82. 82. That's the same year as John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm. Um, you know, it's ridiculous. You know, comparing the, the gore from one film to another. Yeah. You know, and in this one, it, it wasn't even sexualised, the gore. No. The the nudity and, and the, the violence were completely separate. Yes. Uh, so, if you've seen Unhinged and you enjoyed it, you didn't enjoy it, whatever... Would you make it a twist? Tell us on social media with Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm DeadnightGaz92 on Letterboxd. Gazmo205 on Instagram and GasCruise92 on Twitter. I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram, Letterboxd and Twitter. A rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Like a follow on everything else. And next week, we're back with a very different uh, Nasty November film. We're discussing Night of the Demon. Yeah. The Bigfoot creature feature, trash the piece. I mean, a different direction, yes, <laughs> for the video nasty. Um, we've seen this before, haven't we? Yes. Yes, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Well, I say enjoy it, it was shit, but I mean, I enjoyed it because of that. Is that the one? and The, the sleeping bag. The sleeping bag. Is this one where someone's knob gets ripped off? I think so, yeah. Okay. Now, and if that doesn't excite you for next week's episode, <laughs> nothing will. Wow, it's not the only film we'll be discussing next week with someone's knob getting damaged. Oh, God, yeah. It's Friday. It will be original versus remake time and we'll be discussing I Spit on Your Grave. Original and remake. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot to discuss with I, those I films. believe so. So we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.